Before we start this new episode of Reflections of a DJ, the Roll Podcast would like to send its deepest condolences to the friends and family of DJ Nice in Austin, Texas. DJ Nice just passed recently, suddenly and surprisingly. It was a shock to everybody. He was a staple in Austin, Texas. He's always been so kind and generous to me and the whole crew here at Road. We really want to support him and his family. Uh, there is going to be a donation link in our description as well as a link in the bio for donations to help with his funeral services and to help with any type of funding that his family might need right now. Please donate whatever you can, whether it's a dollar, $5, $10. We want to make sure that we remember him and we support him. Um, he's a peer. He's a brother. So please give what you can to the city of Austin, Texas, to the friends and family of DJ Nice. We're so sorry for your loss. Rest in peace, DJ Nice. Hey, yo, what's good? What's good? What's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the Roll Podcast presented by DJ City and Beat Source. I am one of your hosts, DJ Crooked. We do not have DJ Never here. He is MIA, but we do have DJ D Miles. What up? Who is not MIA. <laughs> not getting his ass fixed this week. And he's I'm not here, getting baby. his ass fixed this week. Let's go. We have Jamie the Great. Yeah. And we have a special guest today. His first time on the podcast. But he's been in our circle for a long time. Longer than I, I even knew he was in my circle. <laughs> um, he's, I mean, I, I see him as like the, the next breed of DJs emerging from Las Vegas, even though he's been in the game for a while, a long time now. But uh, I, I really enjoy um, hearing him DJ. Um, and he's one of my favorite people in the city. We have DJ Neek Lopez in the yes, building. Sir. What's good, Neek? What up, brother? What's up, y'all? Thank What's you. What's up, man? You, What's you, up, man? We're, you know, you're 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 busy, dude, man. You're doing a lot of parties downtown, uh, and uh, you have a podcast with Phenom and Jupiter Williams, the Five on Five podcast. Yes. And now you're on this podcast, like podcast inception. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you and I have a history, right? You, you and I. Yes. You've told the story maybe once or twice. Right. I don't know Multiple times. I don't know if I've heard it. You know, you've never heard it? Take a story. <laughs> it's a funny story. See, hold on to your seats. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's a story on how I'm an asshole. Yeah. Oh. But in actuality, Neek's the asshole. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I don't. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm. In, upon reflection, I think I'm the asshole in this. You're situation. the asshole. I will say you're the asshole. You were doing your job. Yeah. And I fucking felt so inclined Right. Comment. No, no, no. And make a request. So they just tell the whole story. Let me tell the story. Yeah. So I've been a busser in a nightclub for a long time mm-hmm. for excess and Omnia. Do you know that a lot of DJs started out that way? You know what? I've realized over the years, like, is meeting people that a lot of DJs have been like, oh, I used to bus here. I used to bus there. Mm-hmm. Or so, bartend, right? Yeah. yeah. Bartend, yeah. barback. Kirk, he's, he, he used to bus with one of our favorite DJs in the city, DJ Clutch. David, oh, Clutch. David Clutch. Me and Pookie. Uh, me and David Clutch used to uh, DJ. Do you I call mean, him Pookie? Yeah, that's say. his OG DJ name, Pookie. That's no. He, he made God. the right move. Pookie, Pookie <laughs> Tunes. Pookie Tunes was his. Pookie oh, wow. Tunes. Yeah, he doesn't look like a Pookie Tunes. So like in my mind, I never called him David. He's as long as I've known him since he's I was been like twenty one. He's been Pookie. Wow. Damn. So in the Buster community. Yeah, all of the homies <laughs> we all call him the Buster community. In the in He's a great boy. He's a he's a great DJ. He's incredible. Yeah. He's a fucking workhorse. That yeah. guy's great. Insane. Um but yeah, so back when I was at Trist is when I first saw you, XS, and then Omnia is when I first time I probably actually spoke to you. And um, you were bussing. I was bussing. 
<clears throat> and you I had my section and I was DJing. Yes. So you probably came in and I probably introduced myself like, yo, I'm going to be your buster tonight. And right. I never introduced myself as a DJ. Was, I, I, was I a dick when you introduced me? No, you were cool. Like yeah. we, uh, the initial like I'm handshake, just, we were cool. Yeah. I'm trying to lay the foundation. Yeah, no, you were cool. You I'm were totally to, cool. I'm going to try to defend myself. Go ahead. No, 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 because <laughs> this is probably, I think every interaction I've had with you prior to that, because I've introduced myself to you yeah, before yeah. and it's been like, don't know you, but mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just staff, so I get it. Yeah. Um. So then later on in the night, you're playing your set and I'm always like, yo, Crooked's like one of my favorite open format DJs because he kind of plays newer shit he's not playing like just the hits like he you know a new song comes out that's popping he'll play a lot of guys don't do that or weren't doing that then anyways mm -hmm. but um at the time i was like in a playboy cardi mood <laughs> and i think i asked you i was like yo it was like the end of your set like you were just kind of going off the rip and i was like yo do you have any cardi and you look at me like i fucking stunk <laughs> <laughs> and you go are you fucking serious? <laughs> like, like moved your headphone off and looked at me like disgusted. You're like, are you fucking serious? And I was like, nah, <laughs> like just, <laughs> nah, I'm not fucking serious. Like, well, Dude, fuck that guy. And you were like, fuck him, right? Yeah, immediately. I was like, I thought he was cool. Like I, I thought he was cool. And like, at this point I'm like starting to like gig out a little bit, like yeah, yeah. starting to meet people. What year was this? Fuck, this is pre-pandemic, so this... 2017, 17, maybe... Yeah, Playboy Cardi era was yeah. 16, 17. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. maybe even 16. Do you remember what I was playing at the time when you requested that? No, it was at the end of your set, so, so you I was were doing R&B or something, right? You were probably, like, playing... Just I, flying through some Flying songs. through shit, like... Right. And some of it was newer. I don't think it was, like, R&B. You weren't, like, slowing down. Okay. But, I mean, it might... You know, at the end of your set, you're probably coming down, like... So you probably were like, yo, that's way too tough. Like, it probably made sense for you to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, it's not that. It's Cardi B. <clears throat> no. I mean, it's Playboy Cardi. Cardi. It's not that. It's not that. But also, like, I don't, I want to be like, I don't remember if I told you I was a DJ because that's corny and I, I hate doing that anyways. Mm -hmm. Especially, like, I'm in a buster uniform. I'm also a DJ. Like, that's, <laughs> I've never thought that was fly to do. So I don't want to assume that I did that. But, like, to be like, I'm a DJ and then an hour later come and make a request is like. Right the corniest of things to do. <laughs> so I don't, I, I want to hope I didn't do that. <laughs> I would like to believe I didn't do that, but if I did that, that would warrant the, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like you, look, you should know better. I mean, look, like in, in retrospect, what I should have said was like, yo, I'll try to, I'll try to throw it on. Right. Which was what I sh should have done. That's you know what I'm saying? Route. Yeah, yeah. So like in retrospect, you know, being more self-aware now in my, mm -hmm. in my mature age. <laughs> It was probably I, a couple of drinks and it's yeah. the end of the night. But I I would actually say I would I would have said like, yo, let me let me try to work it in. Like let me try right. to play it. You know, I'll try to you know what I mean? But it's I, funny to get the explanation now, like now that I, yeah. but I am a working DJ. Like it's, Yeah, but how long have you did you think I was an asshole after that? I mean I think I just felt more silly more than like you being an asshole. Okay. I think I was just like, Yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. So, like, from my perspective, what that's like is, like, we're in war together. Right. Right? So, we're in war because that's how I feel like. If you're a buster there, you're a bartender there, you're security there, you're a waitress there, right? And I'm DJing there. We're in war. We're in battle together. We're and on the same side. We're on the same side, <laughs> you know? So, then it's kind of like...
when we're in war and the battle's actually happening, the bottles are coming out, we have to win the battle, which is to make as much money as possible. Money, yeah, yeah. You want to sell as many tables and bottles. You want the tables to continue by bottles. So at the end of the night, it's like I'm giving everything to the room and to you and the staff so you guys can make money. Right. And in the last 45 minutes, half an hour, I, you know, I just kind of want for me. Right. Yeah, it's, it's you time. You understand? So, right. so from my perspective, it wasn't like, yo, Crook, you know, like you just spun like, and I think I, I was closing the night out. So yeah. I probably did, I was probably maybe three to four hours in maybe. Yeah, that uh, right? probably was the thing. I think so I was like three to four hours in and it was like, it wasn't like, yo, you, you want some water? You want anything? <laughs> it was, hey, play <laughs> me the song. It was like, yo, play me the song. So for me, I was like, you know, like I, I just kind of felt like, yo, you fucking serious? Like, like I just felt like no, it totally makes. From sense. my perspective, I felt unappreciated. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I get that. <laughs> I know. That's what I was saying. Like upon retrospect, and then I, I kind of looked at you like I thought we was on the same. I thought you I thought were one was of home. I thought we, yo, we I had thought a good rapport. I thought you understood. Yeah. you know what I mean. We shook hands. We were cool. I thought we were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I just I, and it's funny because like full circle, I just recently had the exact same thing happen to me. Oh yeah, yeah but yeah, how did you react? Him. Tell him I was it fucking ruined, said the, it ruined my life. You should have said the same thing, right? Are you, Are you fucking, fucking kidding? Me? <laughs> <laughs> it happened at the top of the night though. Like I hadn't even played music yet. I'm and it was a up. busser. No, I was a bartender. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I hadn't even started playing yet. I'm like setting up my laptop. Bartender comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, man, I got these girls at the bar asking for Bad Bunny," <laughs> and I'm like, "Of course you do." Like, <laughs> wait, is the club even open? Yeah, I haven't. Even, it's nine o'clock. It's not even nine yet. Like, I haven't yeah. even. Is he new? No, he's been there since this place just opened recently. Oh, so he's new? No, everybody's new. Yeah, <laughs> but he's an older cat. He knows better. He's been around, but he's not a DJ, so I don't. Does he know better? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So he's like, "Yo, I just you know like play." I was like, "I'll get there, man. Just like give me a second. And um, he's like, yeah, just like 10 minutes or whatever. I'm like, are you giving me a time? Like, <laughs> yo, like, first of all, you've seen me DJ here for months now. You know, I'm not, I'm not that guy. Like, I'm not the open format. Like, let's get, it. you know what I mean? Like, turn up. That's not my, that's not my lane. But okay, cool. Set me up. I got you. Comes back in 10 minutes. He's like, hey, they're still, they're still asking. And I was, <laughs> It was kind of on me because I opened with like a Bad Bunny like disco mashup. <laughs> Shout out to Nopa Slaps. <laughs> I think he made he like, did <laughs> yeah, like opening like it was like a <laughs> between the sheets. It was either him or uh, King Most, one of them, one of their mashups. So I played it. And of course, nobody realized what was going on. <laughs> and so he comes back. He's like, yo, they're still asking. I'm like, fam, you are really setting me up right now. <laughs> Like nine o'clock, you want me to play? Okay, here we go. Like, did you ask him for a drink or anything? I don't drink, so like, what is he gonna give me? Like water? <laughs> he didn't even ask if he. He didn't ask if I wanted a water, water or nothing. nothing. <laughs> like, just what? So I have a question. What's the what's the equivalent of what of what he did and what you did to someone who works in the club? What's the equivalent? Is it is it like let's say a waitress and you are like bringing sparklers out and you're, or you're like, you're bringing bottles to a table and then while you're doing it, I'm like, hey, I need some shots at the DJ booth. It's, yeah, I guess it would be the same thing. Like, yo, uh, I'm like- so Like, fuck everything you have going on here. Yeah. 
I need something. It's the, it's the exact same. But thing. it's not even I need it for my job. I just need it because I've, I've, I want so it. So, for yeah. example, right? I guess it would be like if I was bussing your section, yeah. but I also have other tables right. that are paying yeah. and like demand attention. Yes. And you're like, yo, I need new cranberry juice. It's almost out. And I'm like, okay, you can fucking wait because yeah. I need to make sure that Buddy over here who's got the $10,000 table need like... But he I got you. Give me just, the coverage. Yeah. I got you. Just wait. Like, but. And then you can give me the, are you fucking kidding me? And then I can give you the, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny because like the next time I met you, yeah. it was totally different. And I met you on different terms. When, when, when was that? That was at, oh, I was hanging out with Phenom mm-hmm. and we went to your Paradise Fever party. Yes. By the way, you have, he has one of the best disco party, dance parties in Vegas. Thank you. And it's in downtown Las Vegas. And it actually invades the strip every once in a while at on the record. Yeah. And um, it's a great disco party. And, that, you know, I was hanging out with Phenom. He dragged me out because he likes, like, bar hopping. Or he did back then. Back then, yeah. Yeah, when he was drinking. When he was a fucking... Oof. He's an animal. He was a fucking... <laughs> when Phenom was a fucking monster. <laughs> uh, and we're talking about Chicago, uh, Portland, Phenom. Yeah. That's um, the Phenom in his sobriety, by the way. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I stumbled onto Paradise Fever, and you were playing, uh, and you were playing all these disco, you know, disco songs. It was great energy, and you had good merch. I like the branding. I appreciate branding, and yeah. I still yet to get a Paradise Fever T-shirt. I got you. I haven't done a restock in a good amount of time. And you, you, I want one of everything you posted because I haven't seen a whack Paradise Fever T-shirt. Kirk, uh, can, can you please tell them yeah, what I? Yeah, so go ahead. I, I have. You don't realize, but. My branding and marketing mindset is inadvertently from you because I was into streetwear for a long time Mm -hmm. in my younger days. Yeah. Obviously, so I was going to new and shopping at new. And I've been a B-boy for most of my life. So I was friends with Mig 187. Oh, shit. your store manager. Yeah, yeah. Shout to Mig. Me and Mig started a breakdancing event called Circa. Yeah. And so we worked together. That was big. Yeah, we got we made some traction on that for yeah. a long time, which obviously, you know, became the casino and because of the same name. So the like right. the domain went to them. But anyways, um we started that brand and so I learned a lot of the things that he learned from you mm. through him, just yeah. on a branding standpoint. Oh wow. So like I don't I do, didn't know that. Yeah. So a lot of like the things that he learned from working at new. Yeah. So from like looking at new and like using you as an example, like, yo, look how this looks. This is how we should make our flyers. This is how our post should look. This is how our shirts should look. Yeah. So a lot of the branding and stuff, like I've, I've came because of like watching new. Oh, wow. So you don't realize that's probably why you like it. Cause it's, Definitely in your. No, I mean it's good. It's good, you know. <laughs> it's not that. because I'm like I see myself <laughs> there. No, no, I know, but it's like good. It, it's it good. Probably yeah. speaks to your taste because yeah. you know I've kind of. Well, I, I, I appreciate yeah. when shit is executed well. Yeah. You know, and then the shit is executed well. I like the branding because I don't really remember images and visuals 
you know, unless it's really like, you know, gravitates to me. So when I saw Paradise Fever and the way it was marketed, I was like, this looks amazing. Thank it, you. It looks great. And I've yet to get it. And I want to pay for this shit. I think I did pay for one. And I never got it. I no, that's, that's not. <laughs> I, no, no. That's I think not, I paid not, online. Not. I think you offered it. <laughs> I think I just told you I didn't have it. All right. But anyway, I was at your party and it was Paradise Fever. And right. then I followed you and I saw the merch and I was like, I love the merch. And I probably loved the merch. I think the merch gravitated to me more so than even the party. Right. Because I think uh, I did the party it was like, it wasn't the beginning stages, but it was like, it, it was, was definitely, early. it was early stages. So it was like, I could tell, I liked it because I said, this can be something. Yeah. You know, and even, even the early stages of when I walked in with Phenom and when you were doing it, the music was great. You were great. You have a great look. You know, and you could dance. You have a great energy. And then when I saw the branding, I was just like, yo, this is going to be great. Thank you. you it know? was, at the time, that was our last party at Beauty Bar. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Beauty Bar. Beauty Bar, yeah. That was like a downtown staple. Las Vegas staple. It's yeah. a staple. Yeah. Um, Which no longer like, exists, right? I guess nope. they turned it into something else. It's, it's now this we all huge, scream. It's this huge mega club downtown. Yeah. Uh, it's massive. We All Scream, right? We All Scream, yeah. It's fucking three. It's three rooms right there's oh, the wow so yeah when, when so it used to be beauty bar mm -hmm. beauty bar had like obviously it had the 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 bar when you walk in yeah and then there was an outdoor like a ba yeah. backyard a back backyard a patio or whatever now it's the bar that you walk in and the patio and then there's an upstairs roof so it's three rooms wow it's and massive it's so it's an ice cream themed nightclub it's wild full like pioneer sound system throughout um, it's cool. It, it's, and they still like have little homages to beauty bar. Like the couches are the same material that they were from beauty bar, okay. like the glitter patent leather looking stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's still like, it's, it's, it's like three identities. Really. Yeah. Yeah. When you walk in, cause the bar is very, it looks very kind of elegant, old timey mm -hmm. a little bit. Right. Yeah. It still has the same floor plan as mm -hmm. beauty bar like the bar is still where the couches are still right. where they were but and then when you go outside there's like a dj booth and like an ice cream truck yeah it's like a giant ice cream truck yeah and there's crazy art everywhere that they paid it's insane insane amount of money from artists all over the world to do wow and so it's like then the ice cream theme starts like popping off and then when you get to the rooftop it's like an ice cream ice cream cone dj booth yeah it's, it's insane. wild with like light up sprinkles yeah on the back and i don't think they even finished uh, designing it like finished production on it yet they're still they want to add more shit right they're still adding every time I heard there it's like cryo guns that shoot uh, ice cream into the crowd or something <laughs> yeah straight up like real life ice cream <laughs> no they do serve ice cream yeah it's a fucking mess at <laughs> 12 30 every sprinkles night. <laughs> just like hard fucking sprinkles, sprinkles. shards of chocolate <laughs> waffle cones baby. that's how we end the night just get the fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing there every Friday. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Gregory Michael Davis, the guy I DJ with. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been a fucking blast. Uh, we're just playing dance music, disco, disco house edits. And it's just been balls to the wall every that, fucking week. That's your bag, right? You just love dance music. I love dance music. From that's house, disco house, to dance, to disco. Techno. Yeah. I love dance music. That's great. And that's, you want to focus on that. That's really where I want to be. That's that's where I want my DJ career to put me. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, or open format's cool. Um, I like throwback stuff. So yeah. like loungy gigs, restaurant gigs, that kind of stuff. Like where I can just be like 
um, throwback R&B, hip hop, get into like a 70s, 80s bag, like barbecue stuff, like that kind of stuff, like feel good stuff. I'm all for that. But like if we're talking like clubs and parties, dance music, house music, techno, disco, that's that's where my heart's yeah, at. Yeah. I remember listening to you at an event one time and you had like, you were going through this like, this reggae remix bag. Oh yeah. It's in, it's really great. I was almost, I wanted to tell you, you should do like a mixtape or something of that where it's just, you were playing nothing but nonstop reggae remixes and covers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Songs that you know. Like. I think that one I was playing for like, almost like an hour and a half straight. Yeah, you just should make like, a mixtape. That would be dope. Yeah, I, yeah. I should. Yeah. I haven't recorded, I haven't even recorded <laughs> Long time. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember, but it was it was things like uh, fuck, like man. love like, come down. Yeah, yeah, it was like an Evelyn Champagne King re like cover song, but in like with a reggae. It beat. was like dub or reggae, or yeah, like yeah, that kind of stuff. Dance hall. It it's insane. It like sounds roots. so good. It's fun. Thank you. And you just kept hitting it, hitting it, and every song I was like, holy shit! I, like I've never heard this. I've never heard this. Yeah. And it was so good. It's just I've. It's crazy because like sometimes I forget that like oh I spent. I had like a phase of this. Yeah. Like I went through like a dance hall, reggae dub roots, like phase of my life. And I'm like, damn, I got a pretty deep like bag because of that. Like I have a deep crate of that mm-hmm. now because I spent a year when I was 16 obsessed with this or, you know, other random genres. It's funny you bring it up like that because I think back in the day, what we used to do when, when people appreciated mixtapes, right? It's almost like comedians nowadays. Like comedians will work on new material for a year and a half and then they'll like record their hour special on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they'll showcase the last year and a half that they were, you know, putting together this material. Right. So in retrospect, if I'm like digging into like let's say I'm learning about Bay Area music and I just yeah. dig into it for like 4 months, most of the time motherfuckers would create like a mixtape of it. Or if you have like dudes that spent a lifetime you know, studying Bay Area music over there from the Bay, and they would like put together these mixtapes to kind of showcase everything they knew and what they were what doing they with, the, and with the material. Yeah. I feel like new DJs should do the same thing where they just kind of take material when they're learning it and they're like really just kind of throwing themselves into it, just digging deeper and deeper into a hole. Yeah. And then they just end up having this crate and they know all this music and it's, and it's really like, it kind of, becomes a part of their musical identity yeah but they're not showcasing it to anybody mm-hmm. so people kind of just see them as this one thing that's seen on social media but you kind of have to show them other things and mixtapes were that thing yeah i where, think mixtapes is a really good way of doing that because yeah. i look think about all the djs that i used to look up to who had like put just put out mixes and that's how you would like oh that's fire like right. uh amir and khan or like um dimitri from paris or even like Cosmo mm-hmm. or like the guys from Japan, you'd like find their mixtapes and that's just kind of how you like would find shit. And then you'd also find like new music from that. But I think we're in a time where people are very quick to pigeonhole you as a DJ and what kind of music you like to play. Yeah. So like Paradise Fever started as a mixtape that I made. It was like a four hour mix that I made of just straight disco. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, you know what would be dope is if I turn this into a party. And then it grew from that. So now I just got like locked in for the longest time where like I would only get booked for disco and funk stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, yeah, I like hip hop and R&B too. I also like house. Like, So it took a while for me to like get that. But I think mixed, t- so I'd have to make a mix and be like, yo, 
I'd love to play your party. Here's but that's my great, eggs. but it's great. It's, it's it's really your way of like showcasing something like that. I'm curious to see if Jamie made a mixtape, how it would sound. Oh, I have made mixtapes, but they sound like shit. But no, you haven't. <laughs> you haven't come out with a mixtape yet. I want. Yeah, I would love to hear you come out with a mixtape now. Like and oh, put it okay. like now and showcase it because it'll honestly be like your first mixtape. Yeah, I mean, I recorded my mixes in the past, but I see what you're no, saying, no, like no, a no. structured mixtape. Like a production. Like a, a production. thought out. Yeah, like a thought out one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, where you're thinking it, you know, like, your mentors, your idols, and then, like, your your enemies, everyone's going to listen to it. So, you, like, you want to make part, it, yeah. you want to make it perfect. Yeah. yeah. And you want to, like, you know, show everyone, like, holy It's shit. funny, yeah, because I also grew up listening to mixtapes, like, the captains of the industry, they put out Mas mm. uh, mm-hmm. and all that stuff, and then you put out... Uh, not long ago, what was the name of the last mixtape you put out? Brainwash. Oh, Brainwash. Brainwash yeah, was yeah. another good one. What I did with Rocticon. He was yeah. like, my like helping me with Ableton and stuff. Yeah, yeah and uh, Mega Man, Michael Mayetta, he also helped you out for that. Yeah, one. he has some great ones. Yeah, so he that's what I'm saying. Like it, it's a corporate of that, but I see what you're saying. Like structure mixtape. I mean, I take the challenge, so I'll put one together. It's good because what you you when you're creating a mixtape like that, you have to make it current, mm-hmm. relevant, but. Also, time, so you, timeless. Yeah, timeless. Yeah, timeless. Yeah. There has to be like a timeless element to it. So the songs you pick, you know, you could have like a couple filler joints. And that's really the joint. Like sometimes I listen to like old, my old mixtapes that I made that were like more like current, like from like 2004 or 2003. Yeah. And you, you know there's some hits there, but then you're like, oh shit, I, I forgot about this Marcus Houston song that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like that was, that was popping. Like, Clubbing. Yeah. Up in the club. I forgot that song. Remember that joint? We can't yeah. play that no more, but yeah. Yeah, but it was like little things like that. Or just yeah, I remember like, I was listening to my iPod and one of my mixes from 2006 came on randomly on my iPod and I was like just driving this and I was like, holy shit, like, and I could tell how quick my scratching was. Like, I'm not that quick anymore. It was sharp. I was right? going to say, my scratching or were you? Nah, your scratching's sharp. But it was like insanely sharp on this like one Pitbull track I was doing. It was like 120 BPM and I was just cutting crazy. Was it a live mixtape or you got it? I did it live. To, was it? Yeah. And I just went over it again. But it was just hearing it and like seeing where I was in 2006. Yeah. I was just like, holy shit. But like, you, you kind of want that. You want yeah. a record of that, especially when you're starting out. Mm-hmm. You want kind of like a resume of some mixtapes because it, it kind of forces you to like put something together and like show people like this is who I am. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the last mixes I made were during lockdown and I still have them up on like my Mixcloud and Soundcloud, but I like tried to do a series of what I called color mixes so I would be like, this is the blue mix. And so I'd pick songs that felt like kind of dreary and blue, like figuratively. And then I did a yellow and it was kind of like Afro Latin percussive songs. Mm-hmm. But I stopped doing it just because we got to work. <laughs> open back up. So you, got, so you got to blue and yellow? You got got blue and yellow. yellow, like Pokemon, like yeah. Pokemon games. That's a good concept. The red man. one didn't come out. The red one never dropped. Okay. I, that was the one that should have came out. What was, gonna, what was red going to be? Probably more, I mean, it probably would have been more like yellow, just a little more aggressive, honestly, yeah. like more percussive, but a little more louder and faster. Really? Yeah. I think red. It might have been a move. Yeah. It might still happen. <laughs> might There's been a name change <laughs> since that was my old. Although when like, I think DJ. red, I think about like either like passion or fire. Or romance. Yeah, romance. Oh, so maybe it's like, maybe, more maybe that'll be like the dub. <laughs> maybe yeah. more love songs. Yeah, yeah. maybe yeah. that's that, the next maybe one. That's it. Yeah. Maybe do that. Yeah, that might be that's the great. move. That's good. 
We just figured out here. I think we figured out. I'm gonna <laughs> no, credit you. I'm gonna put the logo. <laughs> executive produced by Cricket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Presented by the Road Podcast. Put that shit out though. That'd I be think, dope. I think think that'd be I'm, I'm telling you, man. <laughs> I I don't remember a lot of shit, but like when I remember things like that, I was like, it because it made me want to be like, how do I even? Where do I even start to look for things like this? And like, I gotta hit Nick up, and it's always like an embarrassment, right? You're like, well, this like a pride thing. You don't want to hit somebody up and be like, hey, can you send me like all the songs that you were playing? <laughs> yeah. I don't, you know what I do? On my, when I usually do best friend and then I go up to uh, OTR and hang out and he's DJing, I sit next to him and I'm just shazamming the fuck out of everything because it's so good. It's like, even though 70s music, 80s music, whatever you're playing in there, yeah. it's still brand new music to me. But you got to Shazam on the low. You can't be like seeing Oh, no, no, no. I'm right? letting him know that I'm Shazamming. <laughs> I flat out don't even care. I'm going to be honest with you. I, like, I'm not doing this when shit. I first you know started, I mean? When I first started out, like my first 10 years of DJing, I was in my bedroom. And it was like very not serious. Like I was doing my thing. So like back then, and it was all on wax. I didn't know how to use Serato yet. Mm-hmm. So like all my guys that were teaching me were very stingy about their music and their records. Like you don't, yeah, yeah. you don't show, you don't bite, you don't blah, blah, blah. What year was this? I started when I was like 14. So this had to been like 2005, four, That sounds about right. Yeah. 2004 yeah. or five. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I couldn't afford a laptop and Serato and all that. So I was just playing records. Um, but they were all very like stingy OG guys that were like, you don't show your records and only your homies get to see your shit. <laughs> so, but now I'm just like, you want my fucking crate you could have it like i'm just because i'm in my own lane nobody's gonna play the shit that i'm playing at certain gigs like pe- people are gonna stay in their own lane i'm not worried about it so if you want my fucking dub crate like yeah i yeah, got yeah. you man <laughs> but, but, but yo, he has a good like uh method for sh- shazamming i think you're the one that taught me how you should oh on the low yeah the because little button the, the iphone oh, yeah, the little button on the yeah you can man. add it to what is this the widgets or something yeah the yeah, widgets yeah, yeah, yeah. you can add it to like the the front widgets so if yeah, you want to shazam right on the low you just hit that no way right oh, yeah right there yeah it's a little oh. button yeah, because I hate yeah. you get that blue I, screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get at the screen and it's just it's pulsating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and blue like, and yeah, like you just you know couldn't be search, clear. I try to like put my I try to put my screen the glare down so like Even. no one can see it. Yeah, because you really look like a lame. Honestly, I just wear it. If I'm gonna, if, like, I used to just wear it. Like, I make it a I try joke. To, like, like, act like I'm texting and I'm like yeah. going another way. I'm like, oh hello, with it's, the blue screen. Especially if you alone. Like you at the bar alone, yeah. and you should. You don't know it. the DJ. No, then you just look like a spy, right? You look like a straight up like <laughs> criminal. Like, like you have no soul. Like you have no taste. Yeah. Like you just come like, in and you want to hear a motherfucker and just take all the songs that they were playing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's even worse. Like if they catch you, just I mean, like another person would be like, "Damn, he doesn't know this song." Like, like you but should I, know. But this I feel, DJ. But I feel like there's a bunch of DJs, and we all hang out. We're like, "Do you know what this is?" And be like, "Nah." But I feel like everyone low key is shazamming it, you know. And then, (laughs) but when you did it, I was like, "Oh shit, that's so smart!" It was like so low key. Yeah, you do it, and you just. Remember, I thought I was low. I'm just holding my phone. You don't know. I swear to God, I thought I was low, and this I was like shazamming something like two weeks ago, and it was like a girl dancing with her friends, and she just like, "Oh no, it's this song," and I was like, "Damn, you can see me, you can see me shazamming." I was so not shorty calling you out. (laughs) You felt you felt like immediately old, right? Like, oh no, I, I feel so old and irrelevant. I was like, damn, like first How of all. Why did I leave she, that app open? She no, saw it, me. It just sounded real funky, so I wanted to play it, you know, for when I babysit my grandkids. I'm at that age where I don't know any of the rappers now and shit. I, I heard my niece playing it in the car when I was driving her to school. I was like, 
<laughs> I feel oh, whack man. when I have that shit on, especially like you know, like when I'm alone. Yeah. I'm just like, and I do it, and there's no way. Like I'm trying to look like I don't care. Like I'm not looking at my phone. <laughs> but, and the widget and might then be I'm the looking. Move, I'm like, I do that. I'm like looking like. Can, is it gonna be able to find the song? <laughs> it's you searching, know? Searching, searching. It's like searching. You're like, this is taking forever. <laughs> yeah, if there's it, no signal. Oh I man! Know. And then it pops up. You're like, okay, okay, cool. And then the phone is back in. The- <laughs> you feel the vibration. You're like, right. <laughs> that's funny, man. In house music, like dance music, everybody's pretentious too. So like, if you get caught, they'll be like, oh, you don't know that, like. Yeah, I'd be like no, I don't know this. Like when I'm in like, <laughs> if I go to like a club and to like to see the homies like at like a like a open format room, nobody's gonna sweat me for checking a song because they all know I don't know it. Like everybody's like, oh, you don't know the Bad Bunny song? Surprise, surprise! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so wait, you but do you want to do everything? Do you want to spin open format or do you want to spin? You know, just th- dance and disco. I think once when I started working, I wanted to be the guy that could do everything. Right. But now I'm at a place where I just want to do what I'm good at. Right. I don't want to. Or have what you enjoy. What I enjoy. Right. I don't want to be the guy that. I don't. I'm. I'm not a master of everything. You know what I mean. I'm. I'm good at what I do, and I want to do that, which is dance music in all aspects. You know, old school, new school. Like I follow house. I stay up on the charts. And I'm glad I have a gig where I can play like that. But, um, you know, there's, I'd rather do like fewer of those and then not have to fill the schedule with like filler filler of just like, oh, well, they want top 40 here and you got to do that. And I just want to stay, I want to build an identity and stay in there, you know? Yeah, yeah. I saw in your uh, five on five podcast, you said that you keep a regular job just in order to say no to the gigs that you don't necessarily need. Yes. Um, and actually, I saw, on your guys' show when you did the music retreat that Zimmy kind of spoke on that, spoke on that. Mm. And I totally agree. I still keep my job. I'm still a bus boy. Um, granted because my DJ schedule has gotten so busy that that's kind of the main job now. Yeah. Um, but just in case, you know, if I like something comes up, I don't want to have to do gigs that I don't want to do and that don't speak to me and that I feel like I'm going to go in and fail at when I could just let somebody who's good at that do that job, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not gonna take the same jobs that like Jaime, you know, is good at. I'd rather just let Jaime do it. Like, I'm not gonna, you know what I mean? Like, if he's if he's in the reggaeton, top 40, hip hop and R&B bag, I'm not gonna go in there and like pretend that I know what I'm doing in there. Cause it's, cl- you know when somebody who doesn't listen to the music, it doesn't enjoy it, is playing it. Mm-hmm. I don't wanna be that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's one of those things that I really respect when I see a DJ that's juggling a job and he's and he's doing his gigs. Yeah, I, I respect that. Sometimes when you when you're like relying on just DJing to make a living, there's a level of desperation and like shadiness. You start to do things that you don't want to do. You start to move ways you don't want to move, and it's just it's not easy. Especially when you're first starting out. Mm-hmm. And it's like you don't want to come into a game the wrong way either. Right. Like taking someone's gigs or overstepping or undercutting <clears throat> or, or doing all of these things. And sometimes you have to do those things. To stay in to it. To stay in it. But like if you're juggling, it just kind of lets you, allows you to kind of figure everything out a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and there's nothing wrong with double income. Because honestly, when you're DJing, I don't care how how hard you're killing it with DJing. You know what I'm saying? Like. There's a lot of time on your hands. You know what I'm it's saying? A lot of time. There's a lot of time on your hands. Yeah. So if you're not like producing and doing all of these things and like 
vlogging and all of this stuff. Like sometimes you don't even need to do that. You know, some, right. not everyone can is built to be an influencer, DJ, um, you know, merch creator and all of this thing. You gotta you're, do you're, all that shit. You're already doing enough. You have your own party. You're doing a podcast. What more do you really need to do? You know what I'm yeah. saying? So to make additional income on the side is something that like in the nightlife industry where you can also listen to other DJs, which I think is the best thing. If I was ever to work in nightlife, and to study DJs, it would want it would be in bartending or busing. Yeah, because yeah. I could literally everybody. just hear everyone's style. <clears throat> That's you know? honestly what got me. Like once I started working, so like ten years in my room of like kind of blase DJing, like mm-hmm. for fun. To like you have a gig where I just realized, oh damn, I've been five years of listening to DJs in the club. Yeah, right. Like, and then once the ball rolls from, like, from beginning to end, from yeah. beginning to end, and opening, right. closing, like. And it's crazy because one of my good friends is a bartender Mm -hmm. and some of the best music conversations I've had have been with him Mm -hmm. because he's constantly in the club. He's constantly listening to openers, headliners, DJs that are amazing, DJs that are not so well, but he hears all of that. And so his perspective on it is incredible. Even like criticism towards myself, you know, I take that because I'm like, I know he's he's heard it all. Open to close. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really interesting because it's like, when I used to open and and close, like do like six hour sets from New York to Las Vegas, I used to think about the bartenders in the beginning of the night and the end of the night. Yeah. Because it's like from 12 to 2 to 2.30, that's, everyone's busy and making money. Yeah. But it's like when it's dead, that was when I was like, yo, I got to play some different shit from right. 10, from 10 o'clock to, to midnight. I'm entertaining the staff. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I want to play. I want to play shit that they're gonna enjoy, and I'm gonna enjoy. And we never hear. Yeah. So I remember, like that's that was my main thing. I was like, I'm gonna come in and give some for the staff, and then towards the end of the night, it's gonna be for me. Yeah. You know, like the end of the night is for me. Yeah. You know, 100%. like give me give me the last hour or give me the last half hour. Just let me do my thing. I don't, you know, I don't get that anymore. I miss yeah. it. But it's like, you know, it was like, it was like a very giving thing. And it just give me the end of the night. And but. if it's a gig that you play often, the staff knows your sets. They know your mm-hmm. tendencies. Oh yeah, 1,000. You know what I'm saying? There would be back. I remember back when I was working at Trist, I got to Trist as soon as I was 21, like almost a month. And I remember hearing huge name DJs and then knowing like their whole set and be like, oh fuck, so-and-so is coming in tonight. Like, yeah and I'd be able to call his set down the line, you know what I'm saying? And just be like, oh, and then the whole staff would be like sick of it. But, you know, we forget that there's a different crowd every night. So, right. you know, but you got to keep the staff but in do mind. Guys, do you guys hear the same <laughs> set even when it's busy? You guys, yeah. you guys get sick of it even when you're busy? Well, you could zone it out, but it really does make for a long night. Really? Damn. Yeah. I heard the opposite from like a, when I used to work at Jet. The bartenders were like, why are you changing it up? And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, you keep changing it up. And they're like, it works better when you play the songs like this. Whoa, shit. I've never wow. heard that. I, they were telling me like, we, we don't, they were just like, it works better when you play it like this. That's crazy. I've never, it's crazy. I've never experienced that. Really? That's cool. I've never heard a DJ come in, play a different set and us be like, yo, what the fuck? You fucked our night up. Well, it's kind of like, <laughs> what's well, kind of like when you're building the energy and then yeah. they know, it's like, they know what you're going to do. And they're like, this always works. Okay, I mean... Because I think there was a point where I would build it up from like... It's like lighting guys, right? Yep. Like when I work with lighting guys, they kind of like when I change the sets, but they also like when I do some of the same sets. There was little pockets where they know like, okay, I'm going to get the cry already. He's going to do this. Mm -hmm. But when I change it, they would be like, wait, what did you just do? 
Like, yo, I was ready for right. you to do yeah. the thing. But ready yeah, I was ready for, for you to do the thing. And I think with the bartenders, I think in Jet at the time, they would throw napkins in the air. So they knew the big songs coming. Okay. Yeah. So at the time they were like, "Oh, you kind of switch it up. We don't know when to throw the napkins <laughs> or something." Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. different. Like if you have like mini sets, like little like like routines. Yeah. yeah. And you fucking change it up. <laughs> but typically, like you guys want to like, hear different shit. Yeah. It, yeah. Typically, like there's. At but least but it's not kind like. Kind of. But it's not like. But how it, different can you really be? Like. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you know, you know, it's always the the test of time is that you'll have like the best DJ there and after like two years of them, you're like, oh my God, I know what they're going to play. But then when you guys get a new DJ and that guy is gone or that DJ's gone and she's gone. So-and-so is so great. And then you realize how good they were, right? (laughs) That's the best, that's the best thing when people hate you and you're like, all right, the club is like, they know my whole set inside out and then I leave and then they have all of these new DJs and then the the staff is like, we miss you so much. (laughs) Yeah. Where did you go? Anything it's gets old. Same. It's, like, it's not the same anymore. Yeah, it's it's like it, it's like a relationship. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Ain't nothing like new. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then new gets old, and then you want the old again. For sure, yeah. for sure, man. That was deep. That was deep, man. Grand analogy. So before we continue with the episode, I actually want to congratulate two really good friends of mine. Basically, like family. Uh, I came up with them in the New York scene in early two thousands. To me, they had one of the first like good music parties started by DJs in New York. So in the early 2000s, you know, these guys were the benchmark to me for like good music parties at the time. They were giving an alternative to like what the nightclubs and like the big rooms were offering in New York. And it was it was the best shit ever. They, they had the, the best venue at South Paul and in, in Brooklyn. And they were just kind of that staple Brooklyn party. And um, I'm talking about the rub, and the rub is celebrating 20 years. I can't believe it's 20 years. It's incredible. You know, and uh, for me, in my opinion, without the rub, you don't have the do-over. You don't even have moments, everyday people. There's a whole, the whole bunch of parties, because to me, these these are one of the the guys who who started it all. Uh And it was uh, DJ Ayers, DJ Eleven, and Cosmo Baker. But you know, to congratulate these motherfuckers, I got Ayers and I got Eleven on the line. So, you know, we're really happy to have you guys here. And, yo, congratulations on the 20th anniversary. You guys are celebrating that shit this Saturday. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, thanks. thanks for having Unreal. us. We're excited. Yeah, excited man. Excited and overwhelmed. You have MoMA uh, and Get Live spinning with you guys that, that night for this Saturday coming up for the 20th anniversary. We all came up together with MoMA, Get you know, Get Live is one of my favorite DJs right now in New York, you know. I think he's like amazing every time i hear him i think he's amazing what are you guys excited for this saturday and what, what you guys got planned yeah very excited um and we booked the two of them because they're dudes who we just really who we very much respect and we wanted instead of throwing a bunch of money at a big guest or having a bunch of people come through and play short sets we wanted to have people who are great party djs in the new york party tradition um and those dudes are two of the best so we wanted to have them and their family yeah yeah I feel like there's a couple of people who are killing it really hard in New York and like MoMA's definitely one of them. You know, Elias Escobar is another, but I feel like Get Live is one of those dudes that's like, he's really the one to pop off in New York. I, I, I really love, uh, I love his energy and I love, he's great on the mic, he, you know, he has a lot of confidence and he just, he's really good at just juggling and hopping through genres and just really, really, really great yeah. DJ. I, I, I didn't know him until much more recently probably right mm-hmm. like the last maybe 
I mean, I say recently, like the last six, six to eight years. Um, but, you know, like clearly when you see him spin, he's been doing it for a very long time because uh, he'll, he'll eat our lunch. Like he's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, you know, and yeah, he has that like magnetic presence, um, like a kid Capri or whatever. Um, but then, you know, he gets busy like a new school DJ. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's like, you know, every time you see him, he does something different and, and he's, he, he, he can like sort of stay ahead of the crowd to, you, you know, like he, he'll play stuff that they didn't know that they wanted, but they go for it. Right. I mean, Mo does that too, though, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mo was a mastermind, you know, he's like a master manipulator. He knows how to read a room and manipulate it, you know, and he's very strategic the way he moves and the way he organizes yeah. his sets. Um, I, I actually want to talk to you guys because you guys used to be monthly, but now you're going to do quarterly, which is like every season, right? Pretty much. So we're getting kind of like the end of summer for your 20th anniversary this Saturday. And then the next one will uh, be in, um, I guess what, October for Halloween, right? And then the, the last usually. one, yeah, usually. And then the last one will be New Year's Eve pretty much, right? For you guys. So right, you, right. you guys are doing quarterly and, you know, to, to kind of to start out quarterly when you guys have been doing a monthly for I don't know how many years, you know what I mean? Was that a conscious decision? You guys are just getting older? Is it just wearing on your your old bones? <laughs> it's hard to stay up until 5 a.m. once a month. We could do it once every three months, much easier. That's what it is? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it was a combination of things. It was that uh, the pandemic sort of allowed us a reset gave us a chance to think about how we wanted to do it differently and how to have the party fit around our lives and where they are now versus where they were 20 years ago. And 20 years ago, our lives revolved around DJing and around working in clubs. And now that's not true as much anymore. So we wanted to do it in a way that fits with our other, uh, the other work we do, our families, you know, and how we want to approach it. So, you know, that was a very it, responsible it, it, answer. That was a very <laughs> responsible yeah. elderly answer. I, I like it. Yeah. I know. I wish that there was I wish that there was a better answer than we're middle aged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is also that we we're the promoters for our party. Like we don't we we've never really had outside promoters. We've done a few things where we um you know, we partnered up with people and did collabo parties or or guested at other stuff and and all that, but we we've owned our our brand and our thing and it's like why we're still here because we still care about it and we still get along but it's also means that we have all the work of booking um and when you when you're locked in to a calendar that's monthly and you need to to draw for a room that big um and you know that the next one coming up is like the saturday after uh, Thanksgiving, for example, because we've been doing last Saturdays for 10 years, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that one's just going to be a wash. Like it's, we'll, we'll break even. It'll be a really fun party, but it's, you know, 300, 400 people. And we, we would like to see it be 700. So it felt like a way to, to like kind of get rid of that dead weight of of having to do parties that on that calendar when we you know when we looked at it it was just like wait w- actually why do we do this you know like 
why do we do the end of August if we don't have to when everybody in New York is either in the Hamptons or, or, you know, like go out to California to Disney or, or, or up to the mountains or whatever to Europe this summer. It seems like everybody's in Europe. Uh, But, but it's that thing of like, yeah, we, we don't need to be on a treadmill with this, like booking DJs every month and getting flyers every month. If it's not the work that we want to be doing, like, let's let the ones that we do be really, really good, get DJs that we super love and uh, you know, have it have it be like a jam to end all jams every time. Yeah, yeah. It's more eventful. It's more special. It, you know, it, it it doesn't be it doesn't seem as like a frequent. So I totally understand it. I I've, I've noticed on social media you guys have been posting all the old flyers, some old pictures, and all of that stuff. And sometimes you know, like when I'm a part of something, you know, like when I had a clothing brand, you're just kind of you're you're just kind of like running with it. You're running it. You don't really realize when you're living through it and you're trying to build a business and, you know, when 10 years pass or, you know, 15 years pass, sometimes you don't realize how special this thing is that you guys created, you know, like the rub. And then when you guys are posting some of these pictures and even the artwork and the flyers you guys did, you know, like there was so much thought that went into everything, you know, from when I look at, you know, it's the motherfucking remix and I see Spike Lee, you know what I mean? It's like. There's these branding things in the script of the rub. It was, it's just so iconic to me when I look back at it now. It seems so special, uh, those times. And the fact that you guys are still doing it now, I think it's crazy. I don't even think when it was happening then in the 2000s, I would have thought it would have still been going on now, 20 years later. I remember uh, a friend celebrating her 45th birthday party um, and, and, when, and we were already in our 30s, um, but just being like, Whoa, that's crazy. Like for it's kind of like when you're a little kid and you think like, will I ever drive a car? Will I ever be 18? Am I going to have to go to war? Will I ever have to kill somebody? Like all those crazy thoughts that you have when you're a little kid. Uh, and to like, to, to, but to, to Joe's point, it's also like. Did you guys think that you, uh, no, am I going to have to go to war and kill somebody? <laughs> I never thought about that one. Sorry. I, I, was on the I, I thought about, about the car one. I thought the car one, yeah. Yeah, after the car one, you lost all of us. You were like, you know. Go to war and kill somebody. Okay, so Crooked, crooked. Did you ever think about, you know, when when you were a kid, did you ever think about will I will I ever go to jail, for example? No, no, <laughs> I did. Well, I mean, maybe where, like when I saw like Scared Straight or something, but that was like later, later in life. You ever yeah. thought you'd get drafted? Yeah, I was like, nah, that's not happening. I don't want to fucking go to jail. That shit looks crazy. Yeah, the draft scared me. I was like, wait a minute, man. They might just pick me uh, and let's go to war. I ain't trying to peel the, the, the orange. The, the metaphor is, 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 I mean, literally like this was our dream when we were 22, 23 years right. old and we wanted to play on a big stage and we've done that and it doesn't, it, like, it doesn't feel like it's our personal goal anymore. It feels like it's our job. And it's super fun, mm-hmm. you know, like hanging out with your friends and getting to see the best DJs play and like, you know, counting the money at the end of the night. That's great. It's not the only thing that either of us has going on, you know. Like, I, I remember just getting so wasted. I mean, you guys would have me DJ some of the rubs in the early 2000s when I was still in New York. I remember just getting so wrecked and having such a great time. And this, this is when I had to bring vinyl in. This is like before the Serato days. I don't think I've ever DJed the rub on Serato, to be honest with you. 
Never. It's always it's been, been on vinyl. Long. Yeah. Wow. I've never DJed the rub on Serato. I've always been on vinyl. So I had to bring like a case or two. And I remember DJing with you guys. It'd be like me, Cosmo Baker, you, and then like two, like Brandon Bingham or some, you know, like somebody from Philly. Um, and it would be like yeah, low, B. The, low B. It would be all these, all these crates of records behind us. Like everyone had their own crates and everything was on the floor. It was on the stage. And it was like, it was insane. It was like the first time I DJ there, I remember I, I was able to play Crooklyn Dodgers. And I and I think wow. I did like a I did a whole '80s R&B set. I, yeah, it was like I was just playing all of these records that I would never get to play like in like a New York City nightclub. Really, it was in, it was like one of the greatest times I had DJing. It was in, insanely fun. I still think about it now. Yeah, big part of the goal was uh, for the party was we were doing clubs in Manhattan as well, and it you know it was work, it was fun, but it wasn't it wasn't the music that we loved and we were able to find an audience for it in Brooklyn because people weren't doing parties in Brooklyn at the time. And then once we found that audience, we were able to bring in all of our friends who, you know, played shit on the weekends that they didn't love. And we gave them, <clears throat> gave them an opportunity to play it for a receptive crowd. And we're able to do that with cats from all over the world. I was, we were putting together a list of the DJs we've had. We've had like over 200 guest DJs, uh, in the time we've been doing it, and literally from all over the world. Yeah. Back then, when when you were here and you DJed and you brought vinyl, the other thing that was going on then, besides that we were all drinking way too much, was that <laughs> uh, there were no set times. Like, oh yeah, the, no, no, there, nobody had set times, and everybody was just kind of tag teaming, and a lot of us were like <laughs> tag know, teaming the drinking, crowd. You, yeah, tag teaming the. You're crowd. like a. <laughs> You're you're like a uh, people are like turntable hogs, right. you know. And when you're drinking, you you don't notice that like an hour has went by, right? And, and like your your guy is like tapping you on the shoulder, like, "Am I going to get to play yeah. before the end of the night?" And I'm not going to say who was the most guilty of that. I'll say it. it. Was, I'll it say was it. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it. I'll say it. It was Cosmo Baker. He no, was the. Why was I just? <laughs> Cosmo Baker was like the notorious dude that if you were killing it, right? If you were just murdering it, you'd get the tap from Cosmo like, yo, I got some, I got some, I got some. And you're like, all right, cool. Like, you let him get on and then he'd get on for like. He'd never get off. He'd never get off. Trust the Cosmo. And then when he, when he got, you know, when he busted his nut on the crowd, he was like, all right, like, who's next? It's your turn. And then we got on. But as soon as you kind of you kind of got in your groove again, you get the Cosmo tap again. Be like, oh shit, he want And you were kind of like, yo, it's his party. Like, yo, like he wants to get it again. Okay. You can get on. You can get on. But you were probably talking um, about him. But yeah. Well, but, but so, so also you you would bring you would bring like three or four crates of you would bring records like you was gonna spend by yourself for six hours, right? Like when you when you would do that party because you knew you were going to have to play classics and you're going to have to play dance hall and you're probably going to do some, some, some classic house and you're going to need to hit like, you know, 45 minutes of Rockefeller because it was that era. Uh, so it, it, it's also like, you don't want to miss that pocket. And, and it was kind of competitive and you did want to like, it, it, it would spark ideas and, and like for everybody, yeah. it would spark ideas so that you, you hear somebody do something with an acapella, you'd be like, well, I want to I want to come back next week 
and do something different with that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Something I'm not biting, but like it, yeah, it was, it was a real incubator for ideas because we had so much freedom in that room and because, you know, almost everybody we brought was, was also like so creative then. It's just crazy to think of doing that on vinyl now with, you know, right. like r- record skipping and people bumping into stuff and spilling drinks and all of that stuff. It's like such a nightmare. Yeah, but it, it all worked out like even though there was no set times or anything, it was like when, you know. You know, I'm joking about Cosmo. Like, we never, like, took it like, oh, man, fucking Cosmo coming. We were all, like, just having fun. That's a friend and it was just, like, it was, like, a blast, yo. So it was it was really, like, the best time, man. It was, like, everyone was so humble. And you guys had so many, like, like vir- virgining superstars, you know, spinning at your party before they blew up. You know, it's it's really kind of insane. You had everybody from A-Track. I mean, I mean, Evil D's been on there, like, I don't know how many times, right? Um, yep. just yeah. Blaze. I mean, you've had like everybody on that. DJ Scratch. Uh, Premiere was a huge one for us. And w- when you have nights that people would show up and they don't even know who's going to DJ, and then you bring Preem out by even having him do our party at all, yeah. you know, much less like tear it completely down. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, I, I really credit you guys for, you know, really just planning the scene. I mean, you were one of the first parties that I saw get like a write up in Time Out, like New York Times. It was insane, you know, for and uh you guys really paved the way in my in my eyes for like DJs starting their own parties, like good music parties. And you know, there wouldn't be a lot of parties that are thriving today if it wasn't for y'all and I and I'm really, really, we, we want to congratulate you on 20 years. And I'm really happy for you guys. And I also want to say, if you guys never heard of The Rub, you know, there's a, a lot of young DJs and there's like a new generation of DJs coming out. And you're in the East Coast or in New York, please go to The Rub Bell House this Saturday. What is it? July 30th. July 30th with MoMA and Get Live. If I could take off, I would fly out there and go myself. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be an amazing party and I'm so happy for you guys. Um, and also I want to plug one of the best and greatest mixes of all time for 80s R&B, The Glamorous Life. It's by Ayers and DJ11. Mm-hmm. There's The Glamorous Life 1 and Glamorous Life 2. If you guys love 80s R&B, you want to hear it spun insanely amazing, uh, check that out. These guys made probably one of my favorite mix is like top three mixes of all time. Top five, Ooh. top three up there. Oh, that's guys. so kind of you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, man. Um, what do you guys, is there any anything else you guys want to uh, plug or any last words before we, uh, you know, we keep it moving? We got to, you got to put us in touch with your booking agent so we can have you guys come through and record a podcast. We'll just stop the party in the middle and you guys can talk <laughs> for a couple hours. <laughs> oh, God. No, no, no. If we're ever in New York, I'm, I'm going to try to do it around the next rub so we can like fuck with you guys next year, maybe before in the spring. Before the next sundress party. Yeah, we'll do yes. the sundress party. Yeah, we'll the, the, we'll come to the sundress yeah, party. The first, <laughs> 20, the first sundress party for 2023, you know, we'll be there. <laughs> I might have oversold the sundress party. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we're there, buddy. Bell house. Okay. Yo, love you guys. Ayers, 11. Love you, man. Too. Have a great Thank time you. on you Saturday. Nice, guys. Yeah, have a great time. Uh, what do you call it? So anyway, I wanted to uh, talk about something that happened. Did it happen on Twitter? Yeah. It happened on Twitter, 
And it was, uh, you know, I don't want to have a long... And it I, always starts on Twitter. <laughs> what do you mean? The thing is, like, I'm usually kind of busy, so I don't really engage in Twitter. But then there's sometimes when I'm just like... Recently, I'll, I'll take a day for myself, and I'll, yeah. like, I'll relax, Start and I'll go shit. on Twitter. But then I just started, like, you know, I just saw, like, this tweet. You know, I love Artistic. Shout out to Artistic yeah. from L.A. Yeah, I love what he does on social media. I think, I think he's, like, really interesting, but, like, he just sent this one tweet, and I thought it was, like, misinformative. Way mm. Yeah. Mm. So here's the tweet. Every DJ I've worked with this week at NAACP is just as mad as me that they have a Pioneer 900 and not at S9 like we all requested. Uh, it really is a hip hop versus EDM thing too. Barely any hip hop DJs I know actually prefer the 900 over the S9, S11, or even, I guess he's saying the Rain 72 and the Rain 62, mm-hmm. which were two horrible mixers, in my opinion. Well, not the 72. Huh? The 72 is on with the screen, Kirk. That yeah, but I mean, 72 is kind of horrible too, man. Um, <laughs> It's like rainbow bright in that motherfucker. I mean, how many how many things do you need to light up on a fucking mixer? <laughs> oh, um, okay. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean, he, you know, what he was saying, you know, not, you look, the, this tweet I thought was misinformative just because he was creating this narrative, narrative. that the 900 Pioneer mixer is an EDM mixer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the S9 is, you know, a hip hop mixer. Right. And let's be honest here. When did the S9 come out? 15 2015 um the pioneer 800 came out around 2004 yeah and i was using that in new york yeah when i came to vegas we were using like a rain four channel mixer and then it started becoming the pioneer 800 mm-hmm. then it was the 900 literally through the late 2000s if you were djing in the 2010s from 2010 to 2000 i don't know 18 you were djing on a 900 pioneer yeah, most of the time. If you were in a club, 100%. like in a legit club, maybe like a 500 capacity club, at least a 500 capacity club, you were DJing on a fucking 900. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I DJ hip hop parties. You know, I DJ open format parties. You know, D, you were there right with me, side yeah. by side at Tao, Lavo. Yeah. I don't know, you name it, right? Yeah. Um, we were all on 900s for like 10 years, Still. like 10, 15 years playing hip hop. Playing the grimiest hip hop shit. (laughs) So I don't know where this narrative came that the 900 is a fucking EDM EDM mixer. It's not an EDM mixer. And then people were kind of tweeting at me, (coughs) well, it's four channels. And usually EDM DJs use four channels because they have four CDJs and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, look, in the early 2000s, everywhere I DJed, a club mixer, a nightclub mixer had four channels. Yeah. You had two channels for turntables and two channels for CDJs. Yep. And not everything was a Pioneer CDJ at the time. Back then, it would be the, like, literally a CD player. Yeah. Right. Where, like, a CD, like, a fucking, uh, what do you call those? A drawer, like, came out. Yeah. CD tray. Uh-huh. A CD tray would come out. You put your CDs in there. We used to carry books of CDs. And, you know, because there were, like, songs that we couldn't get on vinyl. Yeah. There was some rock songs, certain house songs, certain old school shit you couldn't get on vinyl in the early 2000s. And you'd play it, and you'd play, you know, you play on four channels. And usually, you know, a four-channel mixer is a club mixer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's been always been a club mixer. Like, a two-channel mixer is a scratch mixer. Battle mixer. It's a battle mixer. (laughs) It's for scratch. It's like literally, even back in the 90s, there were four-channel mixers in disco. Mm -hmm. I mean, to the 70s. I was going to say in the 70s, they were using, like, 
four to six channel right. rotaries. So if you want to say anything, the 900, you guys should just call it like a disco mixer, if anything. You yes. know what I'm saying? Because in in retrospect, the four channels doesn't mean anything except the fact that it's a club mixer. And because it's a club mixer, it's going to have a better sound card and it's going to be more durable. It's going to be, they're building a club mixer that's built to be durable and to have good sound. That's yeah. the main thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Is the sound quality. If you're spending all this money on a club and building a sound system within it with intention, you're not going to throw a toy as your nucleus. Like, you have to have a good mixer. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call like scratch mixers a toy, but I think it was kind of understood that a scratch mixer is almost like a bedroom mixer. Mm. Yeah. It's not something that would be for the club or for right. commercial use, right? Mm-hmm. So it was one of those things that you would practice on, you would scratch on. So, the, you know, the the durability on it, you know, like everything. Look, the first scratch mixer that was, that changed the game. The 56? No. Techniques mixer. The one they were using for the DMCs, right? The DMC Techniques yeah. mixer. It's literally the best mixer like I've ever I've ever had in my life. I've never even seen it in person. <laughs> the only <laughs> shitty thing was the durability of the fucking faders. Uh-huh. Every time I see one, the faders. The faders, they just bled yeah. like a motherfucker. Right. And they kept right. bleeding and bleeding and bleeding. That was the only problem with that mixer. Mm-hmm. But that mixer was like perfect. And, and it's, it's so perfect that even to this day, the layout of that mixer is in the S9 and the S11. Yeah. All right? That's the same layout that to this day yeah. is on there. Because of how perfect it was. Yeah. So, I called it a DX. It's an EX 1200. <laughs> so, so like, if you go back to that Technics um, DMC mixer, you're going to see, like, <coughs> there hasn't been many uh, scratch mixers that were, to me, to compare. Yeah. Until the S9, which was in 2015. Which was designed by Jazzy Jeff. Not even, like, DJ. so, I mean, mixers that predated that, like, the the Jazzy Jeff, the Pioneer 909, that yeah. was everybody. I used to call that the night. I used to call that the Jazzy Jeff mixer because he's one of the first motherfuckers I saw. Yeah, the one with the uh, with the orange screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the orange screen. Yeah, and it was like a what do you call it? And I, the first time I saw him DJing on it was in Lotus, and he was echoing shit out. And I was like, how the fuck is he echoing <laughs> the shit fuck out? Is that, you know, yeah. like, and I was like, holy shit, he's echoing shit out. That's insane. Yeah, you know, and it was like that was the things like all of those mixers were never good enough to last yeah right so like did any did the 56 last 10 years no the rain 56 the rain 57 did that last 10 years i really thought the 57 was going to because it was the first serato integration yeah so i was like oh this thing is gonna be but it was horrible you had these little buttons that were like hard as fuck they were like smaller than i don't know like tic tacs yeah (laughs) like you couldn't even hit that shit for your cue points yeah the cue point buttons were horrible. The even the knobs and they had the knob for the effect. They were so yeah, small. Yeah, everything broke. A- analog stick. Everything. I mean, I get it. It was like the first thing of its time. Yeah. So yeah. like you kind of had to figure shit out. And in the scratch world, the fifty six was like king at the yeah. time. Fifty six. Right? Like fifty six because it was simple. It was yeah. good. It was a good scratch mixer. It wasn't the best for like a club or anything. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? So, um, as we go through the years, if you want to talk about Rain sixty two, horrible. Rain seventy two. It's I think it's horrible as well. I'm sure a lot of like scratch dudes love it, but it's not good for the club. Mm-hmm. You know, like when when the brightest thing in a DJ booth is the fucking mixer <laughs> and you can't see the crowd and it blinds you and shit, it's not good. Right. In a dark ass club, it doesn't work, man. Mm-hmm. But um, so if we go to any of these mixers that everyone's naming, these scratch mixers, none of them lasted <coughs> 10 years. 
Yeah. But when you look at the Pioneer 900, that shit lasted for 15 plus years. Yeah. We've been using that shit in the clubs, DJing hip hop. Mm-hmm. So that was the misinformation I got from that tweet. Not a lot has changed on the night on the 900. No, it's a solid mixer. And then the thing is like, you know, he was tweeting that, you know, like we're all mad as hell that we couldn't get the S9. And it sucks that you're, you know, when you when you want to perform your best and you're not getting the mix that you want. But I also think like, yo, the 900 isn't an obstacle. No. no. Do you know what I mean? Like that's not an obstacle to to like fuck up your performance. I think you know. I think the genre differentiant, like making a this mixers for this genre and that genre, like mm-hmm. I think that's silly. But I do understand the um, the performance, the, and the convenience yeah. of an S nine over a nine hundred for sure. If you're a Serato user, regardless of genre, yeah, having MIDI controls and cue pads as opposed to tapping on your laptop is more convenient. And having echo and reverb effect. At a flick. Like, at a flick yeah. of a wrist. We get you that. Know. But of even, course. I don't even think. There's a button for that. The I, that's what I'm saying. The 900 way of doing things still isn't that inconvenient to me. Yeah, it's not. Right. But it also requires you to be cleaner. You got to be cleaner. You have way to be a cleaner, cleaner DJ. You may have to do less. You can get you, away with You know what I mean? Yes. Like on, if you're on a 900, that is a solid ass mixer. Tank. It's built like I would never come into a venue and complain about that shit, even if I wanted S, S11 or S9, mm-hmm. you know, but I, you know, look, I respect your preference on whatever. But yeah. to me, I don't think that's something to complain about. You could still do your job and fucking you can still get it. busy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think a lot of DJs, in my opinion, I don't I feel like they they depend on the effects too much. Mm-hmm. You I know, so like that. instead of creating transitions like, hey, I want to go from. You know, I want to go from 100 BPM to 70 BPM or 100 BPM to 120, you know? Yep. They'll reverb or echo something out and then, and then play something. But when I hear a DJ that continues does that every two songs, they either they sound lost to me. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. Because if you're, you're playing one song and you echo it out and then you switch another BPM and you play another and then you switch and then you echo it out and then I'm kind of like, where are you going? Yeah. Because now you're, you're like an echo... You know, you could be DJing on iPods at that point. Yeah. You're not actually doing like a real transition. Well, maybe right. put into into perspective for some DJs that haven't been in the club scene for the last 15 years, right? So maybe they kind of came up where that S9 from 2015 and now has been their standard. For sure. But it was also the, the Red Bull 3 style that implanted this idea that that's what um, like a turntablist hip hop DJ is, which is right, fine. Right. I actually love it. Mm-hmm. I actually like the usability on the S9 a lot. I yeah. love the S11. I think the S11 oh, the S11's is the best. S11 yeah. to me right now is the best um, like two-channel scratch mixer or club mixer possibly. I, I think it's one of the best. Yeah. I still hear issues with the sound a little bit, and I can explain the sound a little bit more later on what I hear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the S9 is, is new. Mm-hmm. You know, like I didn't even see that in the clubs till maybe 2019. First time know? I saw it in the club was in LA 2018. 2018. Yeah. You know, and then let's be honest too. The pandemic happened. Everyone, you know, went to streaming. Went to streaming and everyone got an S9. Everyone got an S9 looked, during yeah, the pandemic. Right the yeah. You know, so like over the next, over the last two years, a lot of these hip hop DJs that are saying that the S9 is a hip hop mixer, you know what I'm saying? 
like they got comfortable with the S9. And now now after the pandemic, I'm seeing more S9s and S11s in bars and clubs and everything. I see way more of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the first time I saw S9 was with Pete at, at Commonwealth yep. in 2018. But that was the only place I've ever seen the S9 yeah. in a club. Yeah. That was the only, only place. Everything else, 900 everywhere. When I walked into Commonwealth for the first time and they had an S9, I was like, oh, damn. Like I've been playing a 900, so it's cool to see the mixer I have here. But again, I just think it's convenience. Like, I think people are just more concerned with the convenience of having a mixer that is built with Serato in mind mm -hmm. and being like a full MIDI controller. But to say that it's, I don't know, I also am against the notion of being like, Serato is for hip hop open format DJs yeah. and CDJs and record box and sticks are for house DJs. Like, I mean, but even with the Nexus, like, I love the convenience of Clubkit with a Nexus, Club right? You can just plug it right on top with the USB, and it's, it's essentially Why not just right, rocking Club the S9. It's the same I mean? thing. Because so, then you get the full functionality yeah. of your Serato on the CDJ. You could do everything it does, right so, like, why yeah. not? If that's your complaint, use Clubkit. Yeah, and that's what I've been on. I, I can't even use an SO4 anymore. <clears throat> it has to be either Clubkit or nothing. But I guess if you're using DVS, mm -hmm. like if you're using vinyl and a 900, now you have no uh, no pad option. Right. So I think the pads are really the big like point for Serato users who are complaining about using a 900. I I also think there's like a misconception of like sending in a writer and requesting equipment and not getting the equipment you want. Mm -hmm. Like that's not something recent. That's happened. That's been happening since forever. Yeah. You know like Walking into a venue and and not knowing and yo this happens in New York a lot so a lot of New York DJs know what the fuck I'm talking they're about. They're accustomed to it. Yeah, they're accustomed <laughs> to that shit. In New York, you you don't know what you're walking into when you go to a venue. Yeah, you know, like you don't know what the fuck kind of mixer they're gonna have. In New York, I had to DJ on on uh, Yuri's on fucking. Uh, I had to DJ on Reigns with knobs. You know. Yeah. Um, and you just had to make it work. And back then, you would have Funkmaster Flex. Like the, I remember DJing at the Roxy the first time, and it was like it was the illest setup in the world. And I was like, I don't know what to fucking do. <laughs> I don't know. Like, and I had to figure it out like right before they opened. Yeah. And I was trying to like mix records, and it was a rotary rain mixer. And I was like, fuck, I don't, I don't know. And you know, after half an hour, forty five minutes, I kind of like got you figured it out. I figured it out. I was opening. I opened up. Uh, Funkmaster Flex's opener came through. He hopped on and he was flying through that shit. And the level of like, I was just so inspired. Yeah. yeah. To just, I, lo I love, to me, that's like hip hop. Like, I could, you can give me whatever the fuck you want. Like, whatever you have, I don't care. I'm still gonna rock it. I'm, go I'm gonna make this party pop no matter what. Regardless. Yeah. Regardless. Yes. Like, no, I'm, I'm like, I have no fear whatsoever. Like, I'm not this diva house dj or this diva whatever dj you just give me anything and i'm a rocket that's i that's don't give it. a fuck he got on then flex got on and flex just fucking destroyed it he somehow transformed with the rotary <laughs> i've seen that before that's, that's wild. insanity yeah. he was dropping shit on the mic juggling all this shit and i was just like yo i need to learn so much more yeah it was just inspiring to me and that's why i never like complained about equipment ever ever yeah like it, no matter where i go and trust me, I go to all of these clubs. I travel. Imagine tr like flying, you know, six hours, landing somewhere, and then not having the right mixer, and then go having Serato issues, and all of this. There's so many issues. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But 
for me, you got to rock it no matter what, man. And it sucks. This has been happening for decades, yo. Like, you're never going to get the equipment you have. That's yeah. part of DJing, man. It I is. I feel like equipment issues and now software issues, troubleshooting is just a part of DJing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just feel like the whole point is to be nice. Like, you, if you show up to a gig- To be professional. Yeah. You got to be a professional. And, and when I say professional, that means in every way. Not only, not just nice- but like I gotta rock this room no matter what. Right. I mean, like imagine a motherfucker coming in and actually having to DJ on vinyl with like needles. You know, <laughs> you know how many issues yeah. we had to like troubleshoot with needles on, on vinyl. The spot. On vinyl, like I can't go home and get new ones. I yeah. just gotta figure it out. Yeah, yeah. That, that was the craziest time ever. Record skips, like album Dust. cuts. The confetti yeah. goes into the fucking. The needle. biggest shit was album cuts turning up the gain so much that you were getting feedback. Mm. Yeah. Because the volume on the album, uh, the, on it's the low. album LPs are lower. Mm-hmm. So when you turn up the gains, you started getting feedback yep. from the needles and the speakers, which is the craziest shit ever. There's so many other things, but it's just a part of being professional. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, a new breed of younger DJs that's like, well, we have to go through all that. Yeah, but you like. That's fine. That's fine. But you also like, you know, when you bitching, you, everyone that's older than you and more experienced is always going to tell you, boo-hoo. yo, like, boo-hoo. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about it, could, it. It could be a lot worse because it I could be a lot worse. It's, it comes down like it can be a level of intimidation when you're like learning on something. Yes. Like, for instance, like I can drive a stick shift, right? Like I learned how to drive car on a stick shift. Most people can't drive a stick shift if they like depended on it. They learn on automatics. Yeah. So maybe they would figure it out if they learn how to like pop the clutch, put it in first. You know what I'm saying? So like mm-hmm. using that analogy, if you're comfortable on something, you probably, you probably feel like in your heart you're going to do your best job on that mixer because that's your comfort zone. But like you said, you might it might take you 30 to 45 minutes to figure it out and then you can get in your groove, right? But initially right. you might feel like, fuck, like I'm not used to this. You know what I'm saying? And that mm-hmm. might that's be a, a little setback. But also I don't like the weakness in it. You know, I don't like someone... Uh, like not knowing how to do something or not being comfortable on it mm-hmm. and then typecasting it or creating a narrative that this is why are you giving us a, we're hip hop DJs right why are you giving us this mixer yeah you know it's like if I was it's like you saying man what the stick shift cars are for white people why are you giving a black dude a stick shift car like it's completely you know what I'm saying it makes sense it makes no sense and yeah. it's kind of like yo this is kind of like yeah but you know I'm black why are you giving me a white stick shift car like that's a, that variable doesn't matter it doesn't matter yeah. like you're gonna drive we, cause, you we know gotta get yeah. to point A to point B exactly and that's the one thing I just don't like about that tweet where it was creating this narrative that one thing is EDM one thing so nonsense. why are you giving us we're hip hop DJs. Don't give us EDM mixer. And in the end, it's like, no, they gave you a club mixer. They just gave you a mixer. They gave like, you a mixer. It, it, they give you a mixer that sounds yeah. good. And if you understand, it's just to speak to your analogy, it's just like, if you know how the machine works, you should be able to operate it. You know where the clutch is. You know where the shift is. On a mixer, you know where the crossfader is. You know how to change channels. You know where the EQ is. You should be fine, regardless but of what it that, is. It's like a badge of honor. It's like every mixer that you can like learn. Like when I walk in, and I remember I was I was in this club in Texas, and it was the first time I ever worked on a controller. Like I, there's a badge. I was like, yo, like I'm not gonna let this shit fuck with me. Right. And you know, I did I did my job. You know what I'm saying? And like, and it wasn't comfortable. And I got through the night, but I had that on. My, like I had a little badge. 
You know what I'm saying? I got a little stripe. Nice on the rotor. I got a little stripe. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, you know, like I want to learn that now. Now I want to learn how to use controllers. I want to fuck with that a little bit more so I'm more comfortable with it. It's just like you want to know everything. You don't yeah. want to just want to know one thing like sticks and record box and beat source. We want to learn it all. Yeah, yeah. I, ha- I had to do that this year when I started doing the pools. I had to learn how to start, uh, you know, transferring music on record box and having a stick ready to go at all times and just having it plugged in just in case fucking computer crashes you could just go sticks and just work as easy it's it's not that yeah but imagine me like yo man why you you know why i gotta work on sticks yo i'm a hip-hop dj nah but you gotta adapt yeah i just don't i don't it's nonsense i don't like the genre placing on equipment that's really the big thing i get the convenience and maybe the argument that those people are trying to make convenience makes sense but like you know if you're complaining that like if any other variable other than your own convenience, it's just not true. Mm-hmm. 900 sounds better than an S9. But, By a long shot. But it's like, yo, even Beyonce or like a superstar uh, performer, they're going to go on stage and all these things are not going to be working. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be a monitor. Their headset's not going to work. You know, they might have a lower mic. They might not be able to hear like what the music's playing. The lighting might be off, mm-hmm. but they still got to fucking perform. Yeah, They still got to do their shit. And it's just being professional. You know, and then it's not like creating these narratives that make DJs weak. And I'm a hip hop DJ, you're a hip hop DJ. We're all kind of, you know, hip hop DJs. I don't want to make hip hop DJs look like divas and like we're weak. Like we should be able to just DJ just on anything, yo. Yeah. And I kind of like that. I like the balls that, you know, a hip hop DJ can rock on anything. That's what hip hop is. Yeah. Like from the jump, like it's being resourceful yeah i don't think yeah. grandmaster flash was like oh four channel i can't scratch on that one you know what i'm saying it was like no nah, this is all we got buddy <laughs> you're gonna rock with this. master flex like created the mixer the dj mixer to a certain degree you right. know what i'm saying yeah. like he fucking invented that i mean it's all about taking what's given and making magic out of that shit you know i just i don't want to sound like i'm dogging anyone no like, no no but it, and plus like yo we got love for artistic i'm yeah, not trying to like yeah. i'm not trying to we're, like, we're not trying to start I, war, i'm not trying to like say he's a, we're like, just trying know, to like he doesn't know what he's talking about of no, course no, he, he does, he's an amazing dj i'm sure he's amazing on a 900 you know i just don't like that the what the tweet it was the misinforming yeah. and i think it was creating this narrative i don't want to hear hip-hop djs being like yo don't give me an edm mixer because it sounds like ignorant what I, just like hear, really what I would like to hear is instead of saying, give me an EDM mixer, give me the Serato mixer because I play on Serato. You know what I'm saying? Like that makes, that makes sense, sense to me. Yes. I think that's maybe more of the point that these people are trying to make is I play on the Serato. I play on Serato. I would like to have a mixer that is accommodating for Serato. That makes sense. Because the 900 came out before Serato. So it had to do things to... Yeah, just, just recently. Yeah. Like you know what I'm saying? Like just recently. Like the Nexus yeah. 2 was even like not really considering. So I get that. Like if you prefer a, a Pioneer S9 or S11 because you use Serato, use it because you want to use Serato, not because you play hip hop. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Plus, I, I've seen Four Color Zach on a 900. He wants an S9. I kind of, th- when I think of Four Color Zach, I think of an S9, right? Yeah. yeah. Same. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's the reason why I bought an S9. By the way, I'm selling my S9. Everybody's, anybody's interested, let me know. Oh, that's good. That's I good. I fucking hate my S9. Don't say that. But, you know, when I, it's I've a seen it, it's because it's my preference is not an S9 crooked at all. So it's a preference. Yeah, for it's me. a preference. <laughs> but no, no, but like, I've seen him on 900s and then he's like, man, I'm on a 900. I can't do everything I need to do. But I'm like, yo, you sound great. 
Yeah. Right. You sound great, bro. Like, don't worry about that shit. Mm. You know, like, it's not as clean as possible. It's not this and that. It's like, yo, it's good. You're like, you sound good. I just don't want that that narrative. Can't do the tone yeah, play and stuff like that. I, I do want to talk about the sound card because everyone's like, yo, no one can tell the difference between the sound. The crowd can't tell the difference on that the S9 sound card crazy. and the 900 sound card. Mm. Let me tell you something. If you have any mixer, right, <clears throat> any mixer, and you stay at 11 o'clock or 1 o'clock, you know, you're good. On the master. Yeah, on the master and the gains. The gains is the main thing. Yeah, yeah, the trim is the the trim and the gains is most important thing. If you stay at eleven o'clock and one o'clock, one o'clock is little to me. If you're between eleven and one o'clock on any mixer, you're good. If it's getting pumped into this into a, another board, even better. Right. Even if it's going straight to the amp, fine. The second you start going to three o'clock or six o'clock, or you start putting the gains or the trims to ten. On, and then you put the master to 10, that's when you're going to hear like the most fucked up sound from an S9. Yeah. As soon as you pass 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock on the S9, on the gains in the trim, you and sound crazy. on the master, you, it sounds like absolute shit. And then you have this, there's this auto limiter in the S9 and it compresses the sound even more. So yeah. what people don't understand is the more you're turning it up, the more you're compressing the sound. So it sounds even more like shit. So all of these beautiful high highs and these beautiful low lows are getting eliminated. And now you're just getting all of this mid sound. You know what I'm saying? So it sounds like a clock radio, except yeah. amplified on really big speakers. You know what I'm saying? And if yeah. you guys, some people were tweeting at me like, the crowd can't even tell the difference between a 128 bit rate MP3 and a 320 bit rate MP3. Uh, you can tell 100% the difference. <laughs> play them right yeah, like, next wow. to each other, you'll hear the difference. Yes. Yeah. You put it on your Serato, the you, wavelength. <laughs> I've heard DJs play a 128 and then mix into a 320. I'm like, oh shit, what, did the subs just get, like turn on? <laughs> yeah. Did they just turn on the subs? Like the fullness of a, of a 320 is insane. If you guys, like, the thing is like, yo, the crowd can't tell. The crowd doesn't know the difference. They're not going to be able to pinpoint it. You know what I'm saying? But they're going to know something's up. They know something's up, you know? Like you're going to feel it on the sound. Look, if I'm cooking something and I'm cooking chili or I'm cooking a dish and I give it to you and if you're a regular person, you're going to be like, it's missing something. Some people might just say, just put salt, right? Because right. they say put salt in everything. <coughs> if I give that dish to a chef, they're going to say, oh, you need some, you know, you little need a little bit more acidity. You know, you, you need a little sweetness. You know, they're gonna balance it out. You need more garlic. You need this. Of course, if I'm a professional and I work into and I walk into a club, I'm gonna hear the difference. Yeah, I can 100 yeah. percent tell when there's a 128 bit rate MP3 on, or 320, or if there's an S9 in there, and and the fucking DJ has it on 10 and the masters on 10. Like, oh, I I feel like I'm in a tin can. Like, yeah, you know, that's exactly what it is. So it's like, look, the crowd doesn't know, but they know. Mm-hmm. They, once you give them a comparison, they're going to be like, oh, this sounds way better and the experience is way better. Try when you hear, hear <coughs> listen to somebody who plays only flack files. Yeah, or wave. Or wave. wave like, like the DJs who only play waves, like yeah. you could tell. Like you could, like most EDM guys do play a lot of waves, mm-hmm. right? Flacks and waves. Yeah. And yo, the S11 is a beautiful mixer. But even when I was, you know, I've been DJing on it. Yo, when I get to like three o'clock on certain joints, I got to turn it back down. On a 900, I rarely ever have to turn the trims or anything down. Yeah. I could be at four to five o'clock on trims on certain records. 
That V and I'm meter good. is good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good. You know, and plus it has that clipping. You know, the the new Nexus uh, two nine hundred. Yeah, they got that. the clipping. They're letting you know when you over, mm-hmm. but it never really clips. You're getting the warning, but it sounds beautiful. Yeah. So that's the difference with the sound cards. And the thing is, this if you can't tell the difference, you haven't been you haven't been in nightclubs long enough. Yeah. yeah, you just don't know sound, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But like, if I'm telling you there's a difference, yeah. and all of the, all of us that are DJing clubs can tell the difference. There's a difference. I mean, we, we've done events where we were we asked you you told us what do you guys want and we're like, well, nine hundred is cool. We'll roll with the nine hundred. And then the S nine pops up, right? The first thing you tell me is make sure that fucking limiters like you turn that shit off because we can it really fucks up the sound and it fucks up the experience and it fucks up the whole event. The Serato limiter. No, on the S nine. Oh, the gain. Okay, got gotcha. it. No S nine. You have to go into like the the, set, oh, the, the, the settings, internal settings. The internal settings, and, and there's have, an auto limiter that's automatically on. So you wow. have to do that on the computer to turn it off. No, 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 no you no. have to do it in on the, the S nine mixer oh, on the screen. Shit. Yeah, so you have to hold the shift and then you hold. Oh yeah, because it has the baby. Yeah, screen. so I was then like, you have to the... hold it and then you have to. He tells me all the time, he's like, "Yo, make sure that shit is off by the time." We get back on. We get on because you're doing every DJ that plays after you a favor. <laughs> yeah, so it's because I'm going first and D and then Crook and then Neville, whatever the case is. I usually <coughs> go first, so he's like, make sure that shit is off mm. because. And I know, see these DJs, man. They have it on ten. Everything's on ten. Uh, yeah, you yeah. see them cranked. They cranking it up. They think they're getting louder, but they're getting lower. They get. They're actually. Anytime like, the bass hits it. It's that happened to me before. I was like, why am I turning this up and I, I don't hear any difference? And I'd rather it just it be was. quieter. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> if that's the case. It's, if, if, if you're turning something up and it sounds like it's getting quieter, you actually need to turn it down. And then and tell then, your sound guy then, to turn it up. Well, no. And then let the, actually the limiters level up and mm-hmm. they'll turn it back up to normal. Mm. And you'll hear it go back up. Yeah. Because I just don't, if, I, if my shit like is anywhere outside of yellow on my VU meter, I just tell the house DJ to turn, I mean the house guy to like turn the house sound up. Yeah. Because I've reached my peak. I can't go past this. But even D, you were talking about this earlier about uh, Serato having, you know, the, what is it? The auto gains? Yeah. The auto yeah. Gain. yeah, that's right. So recently, like it. maybe like a month ago, I stopped using the said auto gain because it, it, the recommended one is I think two, the 92 dB. Yeah. yeah. And that's what a lot of people use. But then when I turned it off, I noticed how much fuller my files sounded. Yep. That's why. Like it's insane. It's almost like you're literally literally putting your files into a limiter and then it's it's taking that, that file and just projecting it in a limited form. So then when you take it off, you sound like a whole nother level of- You're taking your crazy. limited music- and putting it into a, a limited mixer. mixer with a limiter. <laughs> and then like I'll play like in these larger clubs and I can completely hear the difference. Like You're putting files, a hat on a hat. Yeah. Like the bass, like some of the mids, it's insane how much of a difference it is. And I've noticed a lot of DJs like Crooked, he's never used it. Yeah. Certain DJs I like go and listen to, I'll pay attention to that and the same like if they have their files on auto gain. And the ones that doesn't, they don't, the files sound amazing. Mm. It's like you're like literally like like really like contracting your files to to fit into like this limited amount of bass limited amount of mids limited amount of highs and it, it just funnels it that way into the crowd it's weird yeah when you it, take it off that shift sounds amazing that's bro. crazy it's, yeah. it's, it's weird i never have the auto gains on i started taking it off because there were certain parts of the song that i you know i run through records kind of quick yeah so there's certain parts of the song where i only play the beginning of it but it's like i want you know i want the keys with no drums to play just as loud as the song with drums right you know so like i'll turn the gains up so that when I scratch that in, it hits harder. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I can't do that with auto gains. Yeah. I don't. Ha- I lose that control. 
You know what I'm saying? You lose, sometimes you lose that speed too, because you yeah. you don't have time to like make sure. I don't it's have the right time volume. to like check the gains and yeah. make sure that it's at the right you know you right volume of that. So I just need it like automatically ready. Yeah. And because of auto gain, let's say if you have a file that comes in with a with a vocal, the vocal actually might be lower than what you would want it because it's trying to match the 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 gain of when it, the beat drops and comes in right. too. So mm. like the audit the uh, audio of the vocal is very much lower. It's weird. Yeah. Now that yeah. makes total sense. And what I've also noticed is that like a lot of my openers that would open for me when I headline, they'll like they'll have auto gains. As soon as I play the first record, my record is like thirty percent louder than theirs. And it hits. It has more of an impact. Right. You I mean, know, it works out for you. It works out for me, but that's an old trick for any headliner. If you're any headliner out there, like turn your shit up just a little bit when you get on. It makes a big difference. It's like people start noticing, like, oh shit, like the headliners. Here. Yeah, like now the music's on. Even fucking performers do that. Like J. Cole did that at Dreamville Fest. Yeah, his shit was way yeah. louder than everybody. His shit was just like a little bit louder than everybody else's. And it was just like, of course, he's the fucking headliner. That's an old school rock thing too. Yeah. Like opening acts. Like bands would get mad if they brought their own amps. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, yo, don't bring no fucking giant stacks in here. <laughs> it's an old hack, man. Like a headliner you had on, and it's like all of a sudden the music's hitting harder and louder and like, yo, everyone's feeling it and you're on the mic. It's yeah. like, yo, you have more of a presence. But yeah, I mean, look, in, in the end in the end of it all, like with this whole conversation that we had, you know, like it was a lot of people like, you know, Crooked, you're fucking up the Twitter feed, you know, you're <laughs> so I, causing trouble. I, no, I apologize, man, because I don't really like, I just don't really go on the app that much. But like, I, you know, I got a lot of love for artistic. I got a lot of love for the DJs. That was shitting on me too. You know, I got a lot of love. <laughs> but in the end, it's like it's experience, man. Like you can't tell me for the last 15 years of my life, this mixer that has been like the most stable, reliable mixer in like the history of club in nightlife for me Period. in the past two decades. I've gone through so many mixers. Yeah. The 900 is like the most reliable mixer for like almost 10 years straight, for like 10, 15 years. Fucking and people were like, yo, time's changed. I'm like, yo, exactly, time's changed. You got the S11. Yeah. But imagine like scratch mixers. How long did it take them to make the S9? There's been so many scratch mixers. Do you realize that? Yeah. For a long time. And the S9 wasn't even perfect. Now you have the S11. It's just going to get better. And the S9 yeah. just got discontinued too. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, now you have done. the S11. Now it's getting better. So yeah. The That's the best change. part of this conversation. Yeah. We're fucking talking about a mixer that technically doesn't exist anymore. It's fucking gone. But yeah. it, it, it just. But like, I understand you know, what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in the end, like, look, you can't tell me that, like, I have this history. You have this D. You have this history. Yeah. The 900 is the fucking go-to for club shit. It's. If you told me like, yo, why they got 900 here? I know you weren't DJing from 2010 to 2015. <laughs> I know for a fact you weren't DJing from 2010 to yeah. 2016. You was not in the, like you weren't outside. Yeah. If you're complaining about outside. a 900, if you're complaining about a 900 mixer, you weren't outside. Yeah. You weren't in the clubs it's because true. that's all we have. <clears throat> it's true. And there was the other ones. I think it was called Behringer. There was that oh one. God. I hate like the, that was like the poor man's. Yeah, it's a poor man. A, Behring, a Behringer and a Allen and Heath are like. Yeah. yeah. So those two, like, if and you, I, if, you know what? You get busy. Like, it's yeah. they suck and they're inconvenient and they're. Different. I had to get busy. I remember you Allen. But Allen. Oh, sorry. The Allen Heath is actually. It's a great sounding mixer. It's a great <laughs> sounding mixer. Yeah. And actually, it's made for house. It's made for house. It's made. For, it's yeah. an analog mixer. That's why everybody likes it. It's not like Pioneer mixers. They're all digital mixers. Yeah. Um. 
Allen and Heath are digital, mi- I mean, are analog mixers. So vinyl sounds fucking Yeah, impeccable. I've heard those are, I've never experienced it personally, but I've heard Allen and Heath makes great mixers. They're That's so good sounding. They're weird as fuck to mix on because they're just not what we mix on. Yeah. Again, it goes back to our convenience conversation yeah. and knowing your shit. But like when you see a four band EQ and these really fucking long faders and a cross fader that's a little longer than you'd like because, and it doesn't have the cut, it's, it's different, but fucking get with it. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, man, I'm going to keep my distance from the app right now. From Twitter. (laughs) People would know, but it's, you know, what's funny is that, um, I talk to artistic normally and I'm not on Twitter. So he's like, yo, you don't know what's going on on Twitter. He sent me the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was he was he was in good spirits with it. Like he wasn't like upset or anything. He was no, like no, laughing. No. Like no, it wasn't a yeah. yeah like he, not spicy. But no, I just was saying that because I don't want people to think that this was like this kind of like feud between you no, and him. No. Like it was like all in like good like sportsmanship. You guys were just having a conversation and right. you know what I'm saying. Like it wasn't nothing yeah, yeah, yeah. harsh or whatever. No, because I, I really I, I really respect what artistic you know what what he's built. Yeah, what he does and his talent. I really love it. I really love what he does. Yeah. you know what I'm saying. But he was misinformed. <laughs> he was misinforming people. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, you know. But he wasn't wrong. He, yeah. You know, I, I, I'm not against anyone's preferences. I just don't like, you know, weaknesses in hip hop. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Like or in when DJs, it, in DJs, and just mostly hip hop too. It's like yeah. you know, it. It's one of those things too. It's like it. If you weren't DJing in 2010, you don't know what hip hop DJs were going through in 2010. Mm-hmm. You know, there was an EDM. There was a rise in EDM. All of the hip hop DJs were getting pushed out from the main rooms and we were getting pushed to the side rooms. Yeah. And at the time, it seemed like there was this this like this kind of line in the sand where a lot of, I guess, open format DJs or hip hop DJs had to say, hmm, am I gonna be an EDM DJ now? Because right. it's cracking right now. So there was a lot of DJs that said, I'm going to be an EDM DJ, you know? And then so a lot of these hip hop DJs became EDM DJs. And then a lot of them were kind of like big names. Mm -hmm. And they were kind of like people that kind of represented us. Right. Right. And so when they left and went to EDM, (laughs) we were kind of like, yo, we had to like kind of, you know, we had to stay with hip hop, obviously play some EDM and get through it all so that when hip hop came back to like the main rooms, we were still loyal to the hip hop shit. And then when the EDM kind of scene kind of died a little bit, those EDM dudes that were hip hop dudes try to come back and they couldn't come back. Because now they're associated with Right, and for me, I don't like when at that time we were representing hip hop and we were representing open format and we were on a 900 mixer and we were we were we were just getting down on that shit, you know what I'm saying? That was like genre. And and we, we you know like for someone to say that's an EDM mixer, that means like I'm an EDM DJ. No, I'm a hip hop DJ, and I was loyal to hip hop. Yeah. At a time when everybody was everyone doing was going EDM. to EDM, so don't call me an EDM DJ because I was DJing in 2010 to 2015 on a 900, right. and I was real playing hip-hop. and I was batting for hip hop. I mean, if anything represents EDM, it's not the 900. It's actually the CDJ. The CDJ represents EDM more than the 900 mixer because at that time, when hip hop DJs started moving and transitioning to becoming EDM DJs, the first sign of the transition was them moving from turntables to CDJs. Oh, so it's like you're not using two turntables no more. You're using three CDJs because that's what all the EDM DJs used. 
So the CDJs actually represent EDM more than the 900, if anything. Yeah. And look at, you know, you talk to Franzen too. I'm sure he was on the fucking 900 or he was on whatever the fuck a club gave him. Because yeah. I know how Franzen is. He's a fucking G. No EDM. You know, and he's <laughs> no EDM. Did he's you use no Dicers? EDM. Huh? Were you guys on Dicers? Never. I had Dicers. Oh, those corner thingies? Yeah, you put nah, them in the 45 adapter. <laughs> nah, I don't like that shit. I had the Dicers. I ain't going for it. I used to put them in my 1200s on the side. That's, yeah. that's your S9, dog. Yep. First S9. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. I'll never forget. How much, how much better did that make you, though? How much better did it make you? Not much, but I had a story. See, I don't, that's why I hate this shit. Go ahead. No, I remember I was DJing. I think I opened for you. Might have been at Hyde. You opened, right? Yeah, and you showed up and I had the dicers. You was like, this, who do you think you are with these dicers opening? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I used to I was like yo, like, I'm just this new shit, man. I wanted to try out my dicers. Yeah, like, but then it's like a pain to like, I'm, I'm like setting up and then this fucking like, you know, and it was Hyde too, right? Yeah. yeah we're going to do the confetti blast. We need the song ready. And I'm trying to get ready, and I'm and I'm I'm trying to you know get ready to do this whole shit for Hyde, and D's trying to unplug his dices in the middle of my shit. I'm Going thinking, under the turntable, like yo, get this shit out of here. <laughs> like you really needed this from like 10:30 to 12. You needed this for a two-hour set. Like what you think uh, he was gonna doing? reach over and press the six or the one? You know when it, when openers had those fucking uh, dicers or like the Pioneer thing on the laptop stand. The XP one. Uh, the XP, yeah, I'm just like get this shit out of here, bro. <laughs> like what are you doing? <laughs> like what fantastic shit are you doing really from yeah. 10, 10:30 to 12:30? You just warm this shit up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like warm it up. Play yeah. good music. Have the girls <laughs> singing, bro. Like. <laughs> Fucking, what are you trying to do? Like three style shit right now? I, I, used, I was using them dices for, for a while. For what? Too. So you didn't have to reach like eight inches to your laptop? <laughs> it was a new toy. I was oh, like, fuck it, let me get, let me get busy with my I was like, D, toy, don't man. be one of these motherfuckers. Did you ever use it again? <laughs> nah, it's in the crib. How much did that shit cost? Like 200 bucks. Yeah. 200? Yeah. <laughs> you guys paid 200 for that? Yeah, it was like, it was the, uh, they came with two cables, a carrying case. I knew, like, don't try to joints. sell it to me like yeah, no. <laughs> it's like buying a phase it's like buying phase now he's like it came with a cleaning brush yeah, you don't get it. <laughs> he said don't try to sell you can change the color from blue to green yeah. to red yeah. full, full yeah, RGB fuck out of here you really tried to sell it like it was a complete uh, cause package you, cause right? you, could, you could change it it had, the, uh, it had a wire untangler so you could like you know <laughs> you don't have to tangle your shit <laughs> it, it literally did what the S9 did like you could MIDI it out to where it wouldn't do the cue points you could hit like your uh your yeah, like sound effects, your loops, and it came all in a nice dust bag too. And yeah. see, I still have the dust bag. A I use a zipper bag. I use it for my toiletries when I travel. <laughs> you forget about two stickers. <laughs> my God, oh, the dices! Man. I would love to interview the guys who created the dices. They might. They I'd be might. like, "What happened, man? What happened? <laughs> Nothing. What happened? <laughs> the S nine or the fifty seven? I guess. Yeah, fifty seven dropped. Yeah, probably some like French guys. Hey, we were killing it for you know like a good six years, and then uh, S nine came out. <laughs> That's wild. I want to know what the Dices people are. What company made that? <laughs> you know? Like, you know? Native Instruments. Native Instruments. Oh, they did. Yeah. They're still that's they're department. doing they're their pretty thing. That department's gone. <laughs> that department's gone, yo. <laughs> Remember, they were making a bunch of MIDI controllers and like different shit for a while. Yeah. No, yeah. They're still, still I think yeah. they're like, do they do Tractor? Is that I think you're right. Yeah, they do. They, tractor uh, is owned by Native Instruments. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. They got a whole bunch of departments closing. They've been rocking that same mixer for <laughs> as long as the 900s. <laughs> Holy shit. Yo, I just had a conversation with someone who's on Tractor. Uh-huh. And they were telling me like they're still on Tractor. And I was like, yo, 
There's nothing wrong with like learning new things, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yo, learn new shit. You know what? For some reason. I'm just like, why are people afraid to learn new shit? Yo, if, you can, if you're still using Tractor now, you can 100% use like a, like a ton of other things. Like At record the very box. least, get on sticks. Sticks. Like if yeah. you can't, if you don't want to switch to Serato, you don't want to see a new software. Record box. Get on record box. Get, I don't know get why. On Every sticks. time I see a DJ in a strip club, they're on Tractor. Like that's like this. No, they're on something. They're, they're on a, what's the DJ? It's like they have their own like, no, intro, it's like their own yeah. software strip club <laughs> virtual, DJs. Virtual, no, DJ? virtual, DJ? virtual DJ. Virtual DJ. <laughs> Why? Why do they all use that shit? One of my very first gigs was a uh, video DJing, and I had to play on their computer on virtual DJ. What is what? Uh, I want to. Well, yeah. Why is it in? The, we have to ask somebody. Yeah, we we'll get a strip club. You DJ know, on. you know who started to DJ on 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 virtual DJ, and he's, I think he he did it for a long time. I think it's a, free. That's why. Um, Salinati. He started off oh, with virtual right. DJ. Yeah. Oh no way! He did say that when we. Yeah. Jesus, that guy learned how to DJ on his computer. And that was short lived. <laughs> Is it really easy to use virtual DJ? I've never tried it. Yeah, it's pretty easy. I it's play so it. like minimal. It doesn't. There are no bells and whistles. Just this song and that song. But it's always like it's like a desktop computer that they're DJing. Yeah, right? yeah, like yeah. yeah it's like P, It's like a PC. That's thing, why maybe. because they're they're probably not DJing. They're just playing the songs one after another. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's no the like crossfader. You can move it. Drag it's it. I think it does have like, like a sync. Yeah, you could do it on. Yeah, you don't need hardware. Yeah, you okay. can literally do. On yeah, that's why it's in strip clubs. Yeah, because the guy's announcing, and so he's, he's not necessarily not, he's a not, DJ. He's yeah. just playing the music. He's just got that stripper club, that strip club voice. That's honestly the only requirement you need. <laughs> Candy to the stage. And they got Candy. Like a sink. You can just sync the, the tracks right up and on it. <laughs> lotion. lotion. Lotion to the stage. Lotion. Everybody give it up for lotion. I remember I made a stripper cry and leave. Were you a strip club DJ? No. <laughs> oh. But she came and she was like, Mine she came to me. our table. She came to our table and she said, we were like, what's your name? She was like, Lotion. And we all laughed. It's <laughs> a pretty horrible name. Shorty, you need a new one. <laughs> Back to the drawing board. <laughs> and we kept fucking with her. Like, you must be hiding some lotion. Like, Her name was Lotion. Moral of the story, her name was Lotion. Lotion. Name was lotion. Um, <laughs> wait, that sounded really bad. But it wasn't bad. <laughs> all right we're gonna end this podcast. <laughs> we're gonna end this all right um see you guys next time. Neonique. Yo. thank you man. thank you guys thank for you for, real. It was thank a you for coming blast. through man i really and, and you know what man i'm looking forward uh to seeing like where you go because uh i really uh i love what you do and i love your energy i love who you are as a person and i feel like you know everything that's happening right now everything you're doing yeah, you so Neek DJs in the in the parlor room in um in on the record. He does a, like almost all the spots in downtown uh Las Vegas from Commonwealth to We All Scream to everywhere. And then whenever you bring Paradise Fever back or whatever, like let us know. Yeah. Cuz uh we definitely want to plug it, but also I want to go. Yeah. And I want to get fun. my t-shirt. We might be doing a <laughs> at Cheap Shot and it may be happening a lot more often than it used to. So, so nice. Dope. Good shit. Yo, Neek, thanks for coming through. Appreciate, Appreciate you guys. It, Thank you guys so much. Yeah. All right. Peace, Peace, y'all. Peace. Thanks for tuning into the Road Podcast. Don't forget, every Wednesday, we have new episodes on all major streaming platforms. And every Thursday, the video versions go up on our YouTube page. Please subscribe to our channel, youtube.com slash roadpodcast. And to find exclusive clips of the pod, please visit youtube.com slash DJ City. And we'll see you next Wednesday.